welcome to the Making Laps Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Making Laps Podcast. I am your host, Brent Gleason. Sitting in with me in studio is my brother and usual co-host nowadays, Jesse Gleason. Also sitting in with him will be President Trump again. How stupid is this? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Well, ask our listeners. I guess it's stupid enough to listen to. Let me talk. Let me talk. Quiet. Okay. Sorry. Uh, is he done? That's all right. Don't oh, okay. worry. Okay. So you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, any other podcast platform imaginable. Uh, we are available on Instagram at Making Laps Podcast, Facebook.com slash Making Laps Podcast. So this is kind of a special episode. I got to speak with. Uh, Jeff Williams, a health and fitness expert, a racer, a, and someone, coincidentally, from my hometown to discuss his specialty. And I want to use this podcast to help spread the word to racers and fans about all sorts of topics, but I think uh, health and fitness is, or could be, one of, if not the most important. So that'll be coming up later. I wanted to begin today with a hot topic, but no, not this time. It's not about coronavirus for once. But it's about this Netflix show or Netflix phenomenon or whatever it is. I don't even know if you've ever seen it, Jess. No, I don't get Netflix. I I had to actually Google it today. I was like, what is this tiger shit? It looks like something that Eastbound and Eastbound and Down bit off of or something. Or David. I know it's like a spinoff of some. It's like spinoff of Eastbound and Down, which was funny as hell. Yeah. Yeah. And if you could hear my son yelling in the background, he's definitely playing Wreckfest like a good boy. So (laughs) just roll with it. But anyway, I have not seen this show for numerous reasons, chief among which is Tiger King. But the reason I haven't seen it is, number one, I'm not a fan of Netflix, but also because I heard the the premise of the story or the, the whole idea behind it. And it brings up a valid point. And I know that People are stuck at home, self-quarantining with little to do. But my question is, why is it that whenever we as a society see something crazy, we default to making it popular and famous? I know all about crazies. Oh, well, of course you do. I mean, look at, no. It's so, so insane. It is insane, to be honest. I mean, way back when, we used to shun things that you were like, considered insane or immoral and now we plaster them all over the TVs for the sake of drama-fueled entertainment. And to be honest, it's got me stuck in an odd position. And I'll explain that. Are these people worthy of fame and attention? No. But after hearing the statistic that there are more tigers in captivity, because if you don't know the show, it's about people who own like tigers, like full-on like Bengal tigers or whatever they are, these giant African tigers... And they have these giant ranches, and some of them have like dozens or hundreds of them or something. I don't know what the hell they got, but um, after hearing the statistic that there's more tigers in captivity in the United States than there are in the wild in Africa, 
I I start to wonder if these utter whack jobs are saving tigers from extinction. <laughs> so it's like, a, it's honestly, I'm stuck in a moral catch 22. Do I like let tigers go extinct because idiots in Africa and coming to Africa kill tigers for no obvious reason or let these clowns privately breed them in captivity here in the U S and essentially save them. So are they, so they're sh- taking them out of the wild to save them from extinction. I think they've had them for a long time. I don't know how the hell they got them. Like I said, I don't watch the show because I don't want to promote crazy. But, like, I I don't know what their deal is, but, man, they must be making money doing it because they have Netflix shows, and they obviously have a lot of money by what I hear. And it's like, well, I, what the I, hell's I, I going do, on I here? do like to promote crazy because I always find real life to be, you know, crazier than fiction. But where do they find these people is what... Uh, Probably China. I don't know. Well, you know, I wouldn't put it past them, but I don't. I don't. I don't see it. I don't, I don't know. There's there's crazy people like this everywhere, but this just chronicles the kind of people in in the United States. You know, I'm sure that there's all sorts of like exotic, exotic tiger or animal breeders <clears throat> all across the world, and it's like, I, you know, and yes, I know that if they're on one piece of land where they can't freely leave, it is captivity. They're not technically wild. Although, you know, instinctually, I'm sure they still are. All I can really say is that there's an old internet saying that goes, stop making stupid people famous. And I feel like if we can stop using drama and insanity as entertainment, then maybe we could start to raise the mean societal IQ levels to an acceptable rate and maybe further humanity over time instead of like laying in the ditches watching this shit. But that's my rant for today. I don't think it's going to happen. Well, you never know. I mean, maybe it is just entertainment, and maybe I'm just blowing it out of proportion, but I have to rant at least once an episode, and this is my stand, and I'm on my soapbox. I fully understand. Gotcha. So, anyway, moving on. I want to mention a news item that might have gotten lost in the shuffle really easily over the past week, and it's a local racing news item. Um that I want people to pay attention to because I've been promoting it since I essentially started the podcast. Anyway, the Pass and ACT series have announced a makeup date for their inaugural Northeast Classic at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. And that date is being um, Friday, May 8th, Saturday, May 9th, because the original date is April 17th and 18th. But uh, they created this date as possible makeup dates for... Um, because New Hampshire Governor Sununu, and I I literally had to w- look that name up because there's like seven letters in that name, and two of them are U and N. And I'm like, this sounds like some kind of Futurama gig. Bing, bing, bong. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, but be a beautiful thing. The guy's name is Sununu, and I'm like, Snoo Snoo? What? What's going on here? But, yes, um... The- Anyway, <laughs> uh, enough of this guy. But he, Snow, what did Snoo Snow have to say? He said, um, I think he announced it a couple days ago that they'd be shutting down all non-essential businesses and gatherings from March 27th to May 4th. And as of recording this episode, the track and the series involved, all the sanctioning bodies involved in the Northeast Classic have yet to postpone until those May dates stating that the situation with the coronavirus is ever-evolving. 
So I anticipate them making their decisions to move the race to a later date to happen last minute. I do, however, expect that to change as President Trump has announced within like what the last two days or so mm-hmm. that they were going to tack on another 30 days onto the what is it shelter in place or self quarantine or self social distancing whatever the hell they're calling it for the coronavirus mm-hmm. so again I, I anticipate that decision to move the race to a later date to happen at the last minute you better be careful Better be careful. Well, we're trying to be. I mean, as best as we can. Very complicated stuff. It's probably over my head. I mean, and I don't care. I, I do. <laughs> I'm bored over here. I'm I'm busy. Like, well, I'm not busy. I guess that's the part of the problem. I'm I'm working on the race car as much as I can, and that's only so much that we I don't can even do. have enough material for a best of yet. Uh, I know, I know. We we got nothing here. I start a podcast about racing, and what happens? Racing goes away. It's like, what the hell? Um, so, I mean, for guys like me, thankfully, who work a, quote, essential job, it's making my life difficult because I have to keep thrashing on my car to get it ready, which it most definitely is not yet. I mean, I took the engine and everything out today to swap the new one in, um, but I don't even have the other engine home. Um, and I also anticipate that after working my ass off to get this car ready, that's when they'll get, um, postponed because that's usually how my luck goes. You know, they'll, they'll put it off and put it off and wait exactly to the last minute. And then bam, they'll hit you with the postponement. It's like this country, we are going to hell. Uh, tell me about it. I just told you about, you know, my feelings on just culture in general with this whole tiger king thing in the first section (laughs) uh but for current news on my car yeah i did finally finish building the engine and putting that together obviously since i was doing it with everything that i do i had to take it apart and put it together about three or four times because i keep forgetting things or you know not doing something right so that's the way i learn like when i built my transmission for the truck i i took that thing apart to a bare uh, case about three or four times, (laughs) which was really annoying. But there's a lot of little subtle nuances that go into building things, and engines are no different. And I'm like, yeah, I want to, okay, I want to take this apart and make sure I got this tight or make sure I set this properly or make sure I, you know, have this part in there, which is good because I pulled the oil pan off and there was no oil pump in it. I'm like, well, okay, that's a good thing to know about. So... I have finished building the engine, and I'll be installing it and breaking the engine in over the next week or two. I have the crate motor out, and I have all the parts ready to go. It's just a question of what's going on with the event and when it'll actually run. And I do have a lot of options for staying you know, sane with racing being uh, kind of down right now because they keep putting iRacing uh, events up. And I've been watching those, and they've been pretty entertaining. Uh, I watched an IndyCar race at Watkins Glen. That was pretty cool. It was just like a regular IndyCar race where half the field was lapped, and the guy led by like eight seconds. So it was like no different than normal. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Car goes up into catch fencing. Hey, that's cool. Yeah, you know, the crashing is really kind of lame. I mean, they hit each other, and they bounce like super balls and, and flip through the air and stuff, and I'm like, ooh, that's real. But it's not about realism. It's about entertainment. And racing is racing, you know, whether it be real or virtual. Yeah, real racing is more fun and more interesting. But 
I mean, you're still watching a competition. You know, that's that's all. We got to kind of grin and bear it and just kind of deal with it right now. So I have a lot of plans for my iRacing rig in the future, but man, I don't have the money for it. It's like having a nice rig and computer is almost like having a race car again. I mean, shoot. So without further ado, uh, I'm going to jump right into the interview with Jeff Williams. So joining me by phone right now is Jeff Williams. And uh, Jeff, you and I grew up in actually the same town, coincidentally, correct? Yeah, that's actually really kind of funny. It's just how it all works that way. Yeah, it's really weird. Uh, what, did you grow up on, like, Sternod? No, I grew up on um, off of Kimball and, and back really deep back almost. I basically almost live on the Canterbury line, so. Oh, really? I yeah. Thought, I thought so I remembered, I, it's pretty close. I thought I remembered way back in the day you guys getting on the bus at Sternod. No, my uh, my uncle actually. Funny story. My uncle actually lived across the street from you guys, and he lived off one of those like longer uh, roads that headed out to the back. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Uh, Jeez. Yeah. So nobody listening will have will care at all about this, but I don't. But I don't care. I like talking <laughs> about because <laughs> where are you lo- <laughs> where are you located right now? Okay, so I I moved from Connecticut. I'm actually down in um, Fort Myers, Florida. Um, I moved down here probably, uh, it would have been 2011 and, uh, have, I've done a little bit of racing since I've been down here, but not the load that I used to when I was up, up North. So yeah, yeah. it's warm. Uh, yeah, not warm up here. I think it was, yeah. I think it's 45 and I haven't seen the sun in about five days or so. So yeah, I heard it was raining. I heard it was raining. It's been raining on and off for about three. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was 90 today. Uh, I don't like, I, don't, I mean, I don't like 90. I mean, 75 is like perfect, but you know, but anyway, uh, I know you moved down to Florida. What exactly do you do down in Florida? Cause this is, this is kind of my health and fitness episode. So I, what do you do for a living down there? So right now I'm currently a, the program director slash uh, professor for the exercise science program at a university down here. And, we're located all across the, the state. We have like smaller campuses that are based in the larger areas. So, I mean, you're, you're talking health and fitness. That's basically what I teach every day. Um, it's what I, it's, I, I started off as a phys ed teacher and then kind of progressed up the ladder. So get, I'm hopefully going to be finishing up my PhD. Um, a lot of racing people that saw me at New Smyrna were nervous about that because they were like, we're not calling you doctor anything. So I kind of was a little bit disappointed about that. Oh, good. I, I, I should mention this. I definitely called you your brother's name before we were recording. So yeah, if I missed up calling you doctor, that would really screw the pooch on this one. So nah, nah, we're good. <laughs> like, I'm not. I'm not there. I'm not going to take credit for that. Yeah, I don't want to be one of those guys. All right. So what got you into racing? Like, what got you involved? Uh, let's see. So I mean, from the time I was probably three, four years old. I remember just, you know, my father was, um, hit him and a, a couple other guys were kind of like the main mechanics for, uh, Mark Lodge and S's SK at Waterford. And, um, that, that's really the first entrance that I had into racing. So, I mean, I would say probably, you know, three, four, and then four or five was when I first started going to the racetrack. So it didn't matter. You know, mostly it was Waterford, um, six, seven years old, I probably eventually ended up venturing out to Thompson and then it was pretty much game on from there. Um, when I got to be about 13 or 14, I actually 
started helping my stepfather with his late model. Um, 14 or 15 years old, I started spotting. And then from there, it was anything from tire specialist, which I did for a long time with, you know, the, the modified tour. Um, I eventually started uh, crew chiefing an SK down at Waterford for uh, Jeff Pearl. We won a few races, you know, together. So that was really cool. And then um, after I got kind of burnt out from all the traveling, and then once I got into teaching, I kind of stepped back from the over the wall stuff and just started spotting mainly. And you know, that's kind of really the deal of what happened. So it's been a pretty wild ride. I mean, we, you know, me and my buddies would, we get in the car on a Thursday and we end up running probably around anywhere from 50 to 70 races a year, you know, traveling, you know, the Eastern seaboard, you know, um, you know, anywhere from, well, actually Eastern. So you go Midwest out to Ohio and down. So it was pretty crazy. Wow. Uh, I like to name drop on this show. So who is your stepfather who raced a late model? Cause I like to, I so, like to jog my memory yeah. and stuff <laughs> yeah no my stepfather is uh paul hurd um he uh there's a name um oh yeah and and if anybody knows you know anybody who listens knows that it's uh you know all, notoriously late to the racetrack used to always come in with the skull and crossbones flag on they were kind of like the didn't care what anybody thought of them kind of thing and that kind of rubbed off on me because every now and then you'd hear oh yeah he's a loud mouth or you know, he doesn't know what he's doing, and it's just I. It's kind of stuck, and I'm just like, whatever. Here we go. I think everybody likes to call each other loudmouths. <laughs> 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 I've heard that plenty of times. I've also heard I'm a blocker, but I don't know what about that. But we we won't have to oh, go everybody. into that. So everybody's a blocker. It doesn't matter. Well, if you can't get by somebody, they're blocking you, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So the point of this episode was to try to draw awareness. Cause I know a lot of guys who are about my age now, or maybe a little older, a little younger, and they're kind of, let's just say not exactly in fighting shape. And I'm not going to claim that I am either. Um, but I do, you know, work out a, a little bit once in a while and try to be as healthy as possible. Um, I mean, I'm 36 now going to be 37, a couple months. And, you know, fitness is probably the only reason why I'm not on any prescription drugs for high cholesterol or blood pressure or anything. So I just wanted to to touch on, like, especially with an expert like you, like the importance of physical fitness, especially when it comes to driving race cars, even on a grassroots level. It, it I mean, even on a grassroots, it doesn't, it, you know, it didn't matter if you race, you know, go-karts growing up, you know what I mean? It's just, it, it everything, it, it's the same mentality. Um, I remember, what was it, like back in the really late 90s, there, like it was like uh, one of the local news channels. They, um, they did an interview, like they did like this whole segment on local racing and how guys who are out on like workman's comp were getting caught out racing on like a Thursday night at Thompson and stuff like that. And I, that always struck me as like, man, you guys are nuts. Like, you know, that that's not what you should be signing up for. So when, when you said, you know, Hey, you know, you want to come on the show and everything like that, it got me thinking about, you know, I don't care if, you know, you're the most fit person, if you're the least fit person, the way that I look at it is, you know, any additional poundage that you carry is that much added weight that wants to fly you in the opposite direction when you go to hit the wall. So, you know, and, and not that everybody goes out, obviously no one goes out there to wreck, but you got to look at the worst case scenarios. And even just the, you know, at Thompson, for example, you, you carry some load, you know, some load on you as a driver when you dive it down into one or three and you do feel yourself pop over in the seat. And, you know, it really kind of, you know, forces you to, 
um, you know, really focus on, you know, lower back. It makes you focus on upper back. It really does. One thing that I think people really neglect is their neck. Um, I don't know about, I mean, I can ask you, you know, coming out of the off season after the first, you know, the first weekend that you're done at, you know, the icebreaker, because, you know, you pretty, we predominantly run Thompson, you know, do you, do you feel sore? Uh, yeah, I, I noticed that early in the season, especially with racing, uh, the shortened schedules like they have been the last few years. Uh, I do notice that after long green flag runs, my neck definitely hurts. And if I race, so, if, if I race somewhere like Waterford where you're constantly turning, I will put mm-hmm. my right hand up and hold my head up because my neck isn't strong enough. Right. And, and I mean, that's really, you know, that's where I think a lot of guys kind of, you know, guys and girls, sorry. Um, I think a lot of times they lose that perspective of, you know, you, you do, you know, like you said, you're constantly turning. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, and Stafford has those long sweep and turns. So, and you're carrying a lot of speed there too. So you're always being thrown over to the right side of the seat. So it's just anything that can help you in terms of, like I said, lower back, you know, upper back, neck, and then obviously abdominal region, because you want that central, you know, if you, again, if you carry around a lot of weight in that area, it's just, it's more that you're going to have to challenge your body to stay upright to, you know, basically be upright in the seat. So, um, you know, weight management is obviously an important factor in that. And it really, I think as you, you know, like, you know, those beginning parts of the season, it really, really wears on you. And it's no different than somebody who hasn't been to the gym and let's see what you got to figure last race of the year, November ish. And you come back around to practice in March. So, you know, you're talking almost four or five months. I think about being out of the gym for four to five months, then going back, you feel like a miserable train wreck. And that's exactly what it's like stepping back in the car. So you have to think about maintenance during the season, you know, and, you know, you're working on the car, even if you can get a couple of, you know, training sessions in a week, you know, no matter what you do um, and focusing on those, those areas that really can make a big difference in terms of just keeping you healthy. And then if, you know, barring any issues, you do get into a wreck, it, you know, it really does save you from, you know, having that strength in your body to really carry you into, you know, not feeling so crappy the next three or four days before you got to go race again. Yeah. Over time, I think all with all sports, you've seen like football from the back in the day, like the 60s, 70s, 80s. And today you see a lot of guys who are a lot more specialized in baseball. You see the same thing. Basketball, you see the same thing. But racing, you've also seen that curve kind of come this way where guys are training certain ways and they're being more specialized. And I think it actually adds a lot to the overall speed of the car because of the specific areas you target to be more fit and specific overall fitness for that matter. But again, you're still seeing a lot of heavy load and a lot of work, even in like a Saturday night short track race. So I think that it still trickles down into being something that's specialized that you really got to kind of focus on if you want to be faster. I mean, cars, even our stock chassis cars, like what I drive, have such specialized parts in them now that they're light years faster than what they used to be. So even if you can tune yourself up to be, you know, as as uh, fit as you can possibly be, I think even that's going to translate into speed, even in those cars. Well, I mean, and that's true. I mean, I don't care. I don't care if it's a, you know, a legend car. I don't care if it's a mini stock, strictly late model. If we want it, we can go all the way up the realm. You know, the, any time that you can take off and just say that you, you're, you know, 220 pounds and you really should be about, you know, 175. If you were to say recommended weight, 
that that makes a big difference in terms of where you can start placing weight on the car. And you're talking about specialized parts. Then you can talk about setup all day long. There was nothing better than, I mean, when I I used to help out, you know, the Pastriacs when I was coming up. And you know, Chris Chris had at one point he dropped a crap ton of weight. And when he lost that weight, it was like, oh, look what we can do to the car now. Oh, wow, we can put lead here. We can put lead here. And, and the distribution across the car makes a huge difference. So you're talking about not only specialized parts, but you're talking about then placement of an advantaged piece of equipment that can make your car stick better diving into one and coming out of two and diving into three and coming out of four. And it makes it rotate. Yeah, I, I think we both agree on the fact that, you know, just being in shape in general is good for you just because. But, yeah, there's, mm-hmm. defi- there's definite advantages to um, as much weight as you can get off yourself and being in peak physical condition regardless of age. Yeah, it translates, mm-hmm. it translates into speed. I remember at one point in my life I lost, like, 50 pounds, and I had to buy a new seat, and I had to buy, like, hmm. all sorts of new, like, new suit, and, like, I got to put lead in the car, and I was like, well, this is nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, though, too, you know, go to, you know, you and your buddies go to on-track karting on, on a Saturday night, well, you know, barring the coronavirus, but when you could have gone there, you go there on a Saturday night, and you look at the guy who you know that you can outwheel the crap out of that guy, and he weighs 150 pounds, but he pulls you going out of any, you know, any down-breaking corner, but then you catch him on the other end, but it's like, are you kidding me? I know I'm better than this guy, and, you know, just that weight makes a big difference, you know, and that, and that translates to a car as well, you know, a, a, light, you know, a full-scale car. Yeah, as much weight as you can get to the bottom, like underneath the car, the better. And if you're if you're carrying a lot up top, you're carrying that above the car, and mm-hmm. you know that's that's pendulum weight. That's really not as <laughs> that's not ideal. And um, no. yeah, I mean, like I said before, I I do work out just to be in shape. But yeah, I mean, even five ten pounds here or there, that's going to make a huge difference. And I really hate going go karting with people because. I've I lifted logs and cinder blocks since I was like five or whatever six years old. So I'm built like a tree trunk. So I'm like yep. I can't even get under two hundred pounds like starving myself. Same. <laughs> so, so the same. Yeah. So it's like I I hate racing go karts with people unless we're all wearing like lead vests and stuff to try to keep the weight accurate. But man, that's difficult. Right. right. And I mean, you know, it just, it's it's the nature of the beast, you know, it just, it's, you know, but there's, I mean, that goes back to anything. I mean, you know, if I want to get all scientific, I mean, it's like for every like five to 10 pounds you lose, I mean, that changes your blood pressure by, I think it's like 10 points, you know? So it's like, you know, you think about it, if you're, if you're a racer and you're, you're rocking around at, you know, high, you know, hypertension or, you know, pre-hypertension, that's only going to hurt you in the car because now you're, you're basically, your heart rate's speeding up and now your heart rate is running or your heart rate's speeding up. Then your blood pressure on top of that is elevating, you know, and they don't rise the same, but they rise similarly, but you got to figure the guy who is prehypertensive that's now has this, you know, extra weight on him. That's causing him to, you know, you know, push out way more, you know, blood. He's going to feel like crap in the car where the guy who is feeling better, you know, he, he just, he naturally just can sit in the, he can sit in the seat. He can be comfortable so that guy just needs to take care of himself because even something as simple as blood pressure can make a massive difference in, in concentration levels. And, you know, especially, you know, you get into July and August and it's like a monsoon inside of one of those things. I mean, I was, I was only a crew guy, 
you know, on pit road wearing one of those suits and it's 85 degrees and soupy outside and you're, you're dying in the infield. I can imagine what the drivers go through. So yeah, one of the main reasons I try to stay fit is is just exactly for that. I mean, when I'm sitting in a car and it's 95 degrees outside, dead of like July or August, and it's like 100% humidity, and I'm sitting in a car and I'm baking to death with a two-layer fire suit on, it's terrible. Right. And I know some really kind of big guys who race these cars, and they I've seen a couple of them like wreck, and I've seen a couple of them have problems, and it's like, dude, I... I cringe whenever i see you out there when it's a hot day because man i don't know what you're gonna what's gonna happen to you because i'm scared for you you know it's that's kind of half the reason i'm doing this episode is because i know a lot of guys and i've seen them like take hits too and it's like man that just frightens me right right i mean i can remember god i mean oh what was his name actually i just it was funny dean casagrande just posted something on facebook that had me rolling because of course it was the feature that he won that night but well, of the course. early leader of the yeah, <laughs> the um the le- early leader of that race was Bill Davis, and I don't know if you remember Bill Davis. They called I, him Big Bill Davis. I remember him from two. I want to. I'm going to throw a date out here. Might be 2003, um, or 2004. Might have been. It was at Thompson. I have the video of it. It was when uh, Keith DeSantis got put into the um flag stand. Oh. And I was there that night. Yeah, 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 we were racing that night. Jesse was behind that, and uh, he got flipped over on his lid, and Bill was on top of him. And I'm like, "That's the wrong guy to be on top of you, man. <laughs> he's a big, <laughs> he's a big man." Oh yeah, that was Nothing a scary again, one. He's, you know, super nice guy. Oh but, yeah. I mean, I, like, it just it was just one of those things where you're like, "Oh man," you know, like that. That's a big guy getting into a car, and it's like I, I, that's got to wear on you. Yeah, and. But, uh, I mean, a lot of plus the... running. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, I was saying, plus you know, even if you're running 20 or 25 laps, being that big and being that out of shape, I mean, that's just going to kill anything that you're going to have for you know being getting to the end of the finish. Again, I'm not like the most in shape person. Like, I'll get on the treadmill and do like three miles, like four times a week or something, and lift you know some light weights here and there, and get like at least 45 minutes of you know elevated heart rate which is not bad for me i mean i work a physical job lifting heavy stuff all day but um i think one of the biggest problems especially for people like me who you know or like you even i mean just anybody in general who works for a living and it's um they kind of think that they get this mindset that they don't have time or it's like difficult to to like get in shape or lose weight and uh, you could probably get this st- uh, statistic uh, correct for me. Uh, I think it's something like 80% of weight loss is diet. Yeah. It's, I mean, if you, there really isn't like a, I mean, the whole 90, 10 mentality is out there. That's what we kind of praise to people when they start, you know, it's like if I have a person, not one of my students, you know, but if I were to be coaching, cause I still try to coach and keep up with trends and everything like that. We always say 90, 10, 90% of it is dietary. The other 10% is the added benefit of weight you know weight weight training and cardio training and everything like that so i mean 80 percent, yeah i could live with that and i i personally think that you know you look at majority i mean look at what the majority of people do um you know for a living that that work locally or that drive locally i mean a lot of guys are mechanics landscapers um postal workers you know so no, oh, I but I mean, like, guys, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was no, walking. I mean, like, I'd get more exercise. 
right. No, but that's the thing. Like, you know, you, you got guys that work in really varied jobs and like, you know, I, I know, you know, it's, it's hard. You know, I, I've tried working with third shift police officers before and getting them to be on some sort of structured eating. It's like, you know, you're, you're sitting there at four in the morning, like, what am I going to eat? You know? So yeah, diet, diet really is a, a tricky one when it comes to that, but it really is a saving grace to that weight management per, you know, per se. But then it's like, you know, no one says they can find time. Well, all you need is that 30 minutes, Yeah, you know, a few times a week. It's, it's not, it's not like you need to be in the gym for an hour and a half, two hours, like, you know, like me, cause I have the time to do it, but like, you don't have to do that. You know, it's not necessary. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the one thing that I've probably found the most difficult is just, it's not motivation because I definitely have motivation. Like I've seen plenty of people around me who have health problems based off of weight and cholesterol and heart disease and all this other stuff. And it all runs in my family and I can't really, I don't want to deal with that. So I have the motivation. It's just a lot of it is um, me trying to quantify, like, I think it's, it's just dietary stuff. Like, well, you know, I, I worked out today, so maybe I could just eat this and it'll be fine. But it's like, no, that's not really how it works. And I'd never lose weight because that's the problem. So it's like, yeah. it, it's it's all basically, um, it's 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 all discipline based. And that's a that's one of the key issues that I see with, with a lot of weight loss, myself included, you know. Well, it's funny because it's, they actually have, it's actually called the halo effect. And have you ever heard of the halo effect before? I probably haven't. Well, yeah, the halo effect, and it, it really constitutes for anything, really. So the halo effect just means that you did something well, so therefore you can do something that kind of counterbalances it. So, like, you worked out today for 45 minutes, you, you busted your ass, all right? But then you go and you drive, and you go to the drive through at Sonic. Yeah, that's kind of you know problematic. I mean? Yeah, and, and, that, and they call it the halo effect. It's a, it's a justification that I did something good, so therefore I'm justified to do something that can – you know, basically make me wash everything and call it even. So yeah, that's my biggest problem. I, especially with like full time work and like working on my house, working on race cars, working on everything, and then I I find you know plenty of time, like at least an hour whenever I get a chance, like four, like I said, four plus times a week to work out, and then I I'm like, well. I do a lot of work. I do this, and I just go and like completely screw it. And I'm like, oh, why am I not losing weight? And I'm like, because I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, though. Some of the some of the best years for me, some of the best like in shape years were right before I started getting ready to kind of leave to come down to Florida. But I I had um I, I had transitioned how I was working out, and I had changed my eating and everything like that. And then I noticed that the more that I spent time like at the track, like pushing the car around you know, pulling the pit bull inside of the, you know, inside of the infield, out of the infield, like the more, like, and then I was a tire specialist. So I'm always chucking tires around. Like I realized that by doing all that, you're just like, wow, like I'm, I'm actually doing a lot more than I think I am. And that's just for like, you know, especially when you have a weekend race, it's just like, Oh, so, but the, but then the worst part is you're at the racetrack. Well, what does everybody eat the racetrack? I mean, Thompson was notorious for their pizza. I mean, their pizza was awesome. I don't know what it's like now, but I know that then it was like fantastic. And like, it was just like, Oh yeah, I just busted my butt all day. Hey, they have half price pizza at 10 o'clock at night. Oh, the clubhouse is open. You can buy some beer up there. Let's do it. <laughs> oh God. On a night, on a night I'd win, man. I, I don't even ask, man. <laughs> pitchers, pitchers and pizzas at the clubhouse. And we would just keep going until we 
couldn't walk anymore. It's just so bad. Right. <laughs> but who right. cares? We won that night. You know, who cares? But that's all, you know, seriously, that's all that mattered. That's what you're there for, you know? Yeah. So I think it's, it's worthwhile to try to at least, you know, I, I've made it a point on this podcast to try to, um, tell people how good we actually have it in this country. It's, it's so good that we have to worry about getting fat and it's like, it's, it's, it's nice to be able to be in that position, but it would also be nice if, if we could find an easy way to, to have discipline enough to, to, you know, stick to our dietary rules and maybe lose some weight. But there is no real easy way in my mind. I think it's just kind of, you just got to go do it and stick to it. Right. Right. I mean, if you look at the statistics, it's like for every, it's for every one out of three people, I think it's like 37%. So just over that one out of three people is considered obese. Mm. And then it's uh 67.2%. I think it is six about, so basically two out of three people are either overweight or obese. So it's like there, you know, we, we can, and, and that's, skewed a little bit, but regardless, that number still is striking. So it's like, you, you mean to tell me that, you know, if you go to the racetrack and you got 10,000 people walking around the pits, I don't even know how many they have at the world series for every two out of three people you pass by, two of them are going to be either overweight or obese. And the other one might be okay. You know? So it's like, really? Like, this is what we're up against. So. Yeah. And I don't, you don't have to answer this or not, but I do want to just kind of touch on a little bit of uh, my own social commentary because I try to do that once an episode just to see who I piss off. Um, but, ah, yeah. but, but how do you feel about healthy at any size and all these people claiming that fat is beautiful? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> listen, I don't know if that was rhetorical or not, but here's the deal. I mean, I'm all for people saying that, you know, they're okay with who they are, but the simple fact is that's also going to be the person that's probably going to die at 50. Yeah. It's like, a, you know what I mean? Like it's, it, it's a, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, big is beautiful and, and, you know, whatever, but you know what? Big's also going to get you dead early. So I don't care. I'll tell, I'll tell it like it is. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's, there's, it's not two halves of a penny, you know, it's, it's okay to have self-confidence and it's okay to feel good about who you are, but diabetes doesn't discriminate. You know, that's my whole oh. deal. And I just want to, oh. I just, like I said, with the podcast, I really want to just kind of hammer it home. It's like, guys, we could be setting an example out here, especially with the special, uh, Saturday night racers and the blue collar guys who eat cheeseburgers, you know, with greasy hands because they don't have time to cook, you know, because right. they're too busy working at, at their job and working on their car. And, you know, th- it's hard to find time. I know that's kind of a cliche, but to exercise. Uh, but I mean, like I said, I know that everybody has 30 minutes a day minimum that they could do something. If you're working, from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep, boy, I I don't envy you. No, like, and that's the thing though. Like the one thing, the one thing that cracks me up about that though is, you know, when I work with athletes, it's it's the same mentality though. When you're not when you're not racing and when you're not playing basketball, when you're not playing football, when you're not playing hockey, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. In the off season, you you know that's where you put your time and your effort in because you know that once racing season starts, just like a football season starts, the amount of training time that you have to be able to do things is minimized. So therefore, you kind of you know in the off season you un you know you load up on everything, and then in in the season you kind of do what you can to kind of get by each week in terms of like well I know that I don't have time because the car's got to get scaled, the car's got to get lettered. I wrecked it last week. Um, you know the stupid transmission just isn't working right. Whatever it is, you know, and then it's like so it's time consuming. So you kind of got to look at it from that perspective. Like, well, 
it's no different than any other sport and you got to take it that way. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if you, you watch, I'm sure you probably do, but you watch the F1, um, the F1, the Netflix special. Uh, no, I haven't. Um, and I will oh, touch, okay. I'm actually going to touch on that before, earlier in the show before we get this interview done. Cause I'm going to say oh. that I, I'm not actually a fan of Netflix, but I might have to go oh. check that out. <laughs> well, I mean, and well, so let's, let's, how can I say this? So, you know, on that Netflix special for F, you know, for F1, it's really kind of interesting because if you look at what they do, um, in season, they, I mean, they, those guys are crazy. They, they have a, they, their strength and conditioning coach, their, their trainer that goes around, they travel with them. That's like their second, you know, their, their third arm, you know what I mean? It's crazy. So, I mean, for them, they're, they're the ones that are that elite level and that's what, you know, that's what it takes at that level. But you can do what they do on, on a much smaller scale, you know, and it still holds true that you don't need to do it every day in season. So, so for somebody who isn't very good at working out, who isn't very good at diet, what would you like, what would you say to them to get the, get the ball kind of rolling, you know, get them on a, a path that they could sustain? I mean, do you want me to tell you what I really think? <laughs> tell anything. No, I, I don't care. No, <laughs> no, I mean, that's like, you know, it's like, listen, you want your car, you want your car to go faster than drop some weight, you know? It's the truth. But in, in all honesty, though, it, it's really one of those things where, you know, you, you start incrementally, you know, um, you start, you know, maybe instead of having five or seven nights a week where you're, you know, it's takeout or quick food or whatever, you make a purpose to make sure that you add, you know, five nights. And so you have two nights where you cook and then you progress it, you know, and and really it, it, it's as simple as just making choices. It, it's really that simple to make choices that are all whole food, you know, try to avoid anything canned or processed and just kind of on those two nights, make everything that's, they always say on the outside of the super, you know, on the supermarket, but ultimately it's, it's, you know, fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, stick to the meat section, you know, you know, anything that's all natural, take two days and do that. And then eventually that, you know, just like anything else, it's a, um, it's a habit forming and, you know, you, you eventually start liking it a little more and, so maybe you you switch it around five days of crap and two days of good where now it turns into five days of good and two days of crap. So, I mean, you just got to, you got to start small, you got to start somewhere. And then, you know, for exercising, it's really, you know, get, get yourself out there one day a week, then two days a week, then three, you know, and just progress to, like you said, even if it's just hopping on a treadmill and if you're not in shape, then walk. No one said that, you know, walking actually is really good for burning straight fat. You know, and, and it's, it's kind of good, you know, that you're going to do it that way because lower intensity wants to stick to fat as its fuel source. So, it, you know, it's, it's just one of those things, you know, do, do you want to, you can't just jump right in because that's usually what's going to burn you out. Yeah. It's not like you're going to be jumping in and doing a full on, like I probably date myself with this, but throw in the P90X video and try to do like 50 push ups and like five different sets and stuff and just burn yourself out in one go. And then you can't move the next day or something. <laughs> Yeah, and then that, you know. and that's exactly it because then you can't move the next day. Then you're like, this sucks. Yeah, and you, then you don't want to do it anymore. Right. Uh, I found a good way to get into working out, like or, or exercising. I won't say working out. Uh, I, you know, I think everybody has a smartphone, and I, I yep. have gotten deeper into like podcasts, not just my own, but like I listen to probably like fifteen of them. So what I do is I throw in, you know, I download my favorite ones, and I'll throw in my headphones and go walk for like an hour just around the neighborhood because right. I have a, you know, a neighborhood I can just go wander around and nobody bothers me. And 
It's a great, you know, it's a great way to stay out and get some fresh air. It doesn't matter what temperature it is. I mean, unless it's super frigid cold, I won't do it, but I I have a treadmill for that, you know, or an elliptical right. or whatever sitting in my basement. And like I said, it's I know it's really like I said before, difficult for people to get into that discipline, but I found that if you just kind of stick with it, it'll become routine, and a routine is a lo- what a lot of people like to stick to. People are kind of they don't they fear change. They like to stick to a routine, but if you can add something in incrementally, like you said, and just kind of stick with it, it becomes routine, and then it's easier to fo- just to follow day to day. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's really the main thing. Is like you said, if you can find a way to kind of change your routine and just understand that this routine is going to only get better for you, and it's going to get easier. So, you know, then then at that point, it's no different than anything else. You're like, oh, this is easy. Can I find something else that can challenge me? Then you start, you know, you, you start making these new, you know, these new kind of like crazy things like, okay, let me try doing this this week versus what I was doing. So then there's that progression part of it. It's like, you know, when you, you used to be the, you know, the back runner in the mini stocks, you know, as you know, John Smith, you know, John Smith's like, you know what, I'm getting pretty good. Let me, let me put a set of tires on it because I'm feeling a little, you know, frisky. And then next thing you know, he's running really good. So, you know, it's just, it's the same mentality. Yeah. Um, I'd noticed that whenever I would start working out and like actually bringing my program up on working out and doing more and more and more, I found that I was actually much more, uh, or well, let's say less, less susceptible to fatigue in the car, to heat, to um, impact. I mean, it, it really improved a lot of the experience uh, from sitting behind the wheel. Right. And, and that's really the, the crazy thing is like what you don't realize is I think it's like, oh man, I mean, when we're, when we're here in Florida and I, one of my classes that I teach, we actually do a, um, we do a lab. And in that lab, what we do is we go outside for 45 minutes and we do an exercise session. That's pretty difficult. You weigh yourself on the scale before, and then you weigh yourself afterwards. And it shows you how much like water weight you actually end up losing. And that this is actually one of the things that I want to eventually get up to Connecticut on a weekend where I can either go to one of the tracks and, and kind of do so. I want to actually do a research study on like how dehydrated you would actually get just being in an SK versus being in like a strictly or, or you know, whatever you guys call them, limited, limited sportsman. Now I don't even know. There's about four um, different names. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but basically an enclosed car versus an open car and see if there's actually any differences between, um, you know, how much weight you're at. Are you actually losing more water, more sweat weight because you've got more air coming in or, you know, cause I know for a fact, I mean, watching my stepfather get out of his car on, on a Saturday night, 30 lapper at Waterford, you're like, dude, did you piss yourself? Like, holy crap. Like, you know, Oh, I bring changes like, of clothes with me to the track. Oh, you have to. Yeah, no question. No, no question. Because no. I've got I've got the exhaust running, literally right underneath a piece of twenty two gauge sheet metal, right under my feet. It goes all the way to my you know, butt and my back and all that stuff. So like by the end of the race, I can feel like the whole side right side of my body like on fire, and I'm just sweating profusely. Mm-hmm. It's just, <laughs> it's a yeah. I mean. It- and that's a huge thing because it's like for every, if you lost five pounds of water weight, so, you know, over the, just say that over the course of the day, or even just during the race, if you lost five pounds, then ultimately that starts decreasing your performance. Well, performance is everything. Hand-eye coordination for you guys, 
the ability to, to press the accelerator when you need to get it put to the floor, you know, anything like that, any split second reaction that you guys have, that's becoming deteriorated. You know, then when you start losing upwards of 10%, you know, then, then you're starting to talk about, you know, severe dehydration. Then you got guys getting out of the car that are passing out and, you know, it's like, well, dude, you haven't drank anything all day at the track. Like it's going to, it's going to really wear on you. So that's another thing that gets a little sketchy is even, but even in the, like when it gets a little bit chillier in the spring and then later in the fall, when you start getting into the later races, like you're still sweating. So it just, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I know that I'm, I'm not a soda guy and I'm not really a Gatorade guy either. I'm more of a water guy. Like I've been drinking a water here the whole time, but and like one of the best things I ever did in my life was giving up soda, which was a disaster in itself. Like I lost 50 pounds just giving that up. I mean, geez, that was I like, I won't even sugar. Yeah. I won't touch Great it. Sugar. Like I won't touch it anymore, but like I, um, I will pack my cooler in the trailer with as much water and Gatorade as it will fill it up. And before it's like, yep. if it's a hot day, I'll drink before I go out before any race anyway. And if it's a really hot day, I'll probably pound at least a 32 ounce Gatorade before I go out on the racetrack, you know, mix that with a couple of waters and stuff. But my biggest problem isn't like getting dehydrated. Cause I do actually a pretty good job. I think in my eyes of not getting to that point where I'm like severely dehydrated and falling out, even if our race takes an hour. My biggest problem by the end of the race by far is needing to pee before the end of it. <laughs> because like I can't even count how many times I've been in that car and it's been like I'll be sitting in the in the the lineup out back waiting to go out on the track and like the mods will be out or somebody will be out and they'll be taking forever and I'll be sitting in that car forever and I'm like I got to pee and then as soon as I go to get out we go out on the track and I'm like great now I'm screwed so now so and then we go out and I already have to go and like we'll go out and wreck every single lap or spin somebody out and it takes another hour for us to finish so by the time I get off the racetrack I'm pissed off like I just I'm angry and then I'm like all right I don't even care if I won. I just want to go to the damn toilet and I just like pull it up to the scales and get out. Cause now they got a bathroom there, which is nice. But yeah, that seems right. to be my biggest problem, but I'll, I'll take that problem over like passing out any day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's the funny, that's the funny thing though is, and you're doing it right though, because the, the good thing about Gatorade is even though, you know, I mean, people who drink it for dinner, it's no different than having a soda. But if you're, like you said, if you're doing it in the middle of the summer when you're packing and it's cold, it actually helps you to hold on to some fluid, which is really good as well. So Gatorade is not a lost cause. But like I said, if it's something that you're having at, you know, in your kitchen for dinner, not so good. But for those sport performance moments, yeah, that's the funny part. I remember, you know, that was the worst part for me was I was the same way. Like I get up in the spotter stand and they'd be like, oh, yeah, we're, they're pulling out on the track now. And I'm like, damn it, I got to take a piss, you know, and it's like. And, and the guy in the, the, the tour mod, um, spotter official, he'd be like, Hey Jeff, it's time for you to go to the bathroom. They're pulling out in the track for lineups. And I'm like, damn it. This guy's good. He knows me, you know? <laughs> like, I can't even tell you how many times I've said, this is it. I'm just going to go in the car. I don't care. Like nobody's, <laughs> oh, nobody's even going to notice it's my car. It's my seat. I don't care. And I just haven't yeah. brought myself to do it. I haven't, nah. I haven't done it yet. Cause I just never wanted to get out and have to like try to get that out of my shoes. I'm like, Nope, <laughs> not going to do well, it today. Matt, imagine sitting there like, Oh, and you know, your winner tonight, 
No, Brent Gleason, like, hey, Matt, I just pissed myself. You know, it's like, no, nah, it's not really something I want to do. <laughs> I can't get out of the car. I, I'm too dehydrated to stand up. I'm going to sit right here. I'm going to sit right here. You can interview me right here. Call the ambulance and have them take me to my hauler. <laughs> <laughs> so before I let you go, uh, I wanted to touch on one thing, and it's a current event issue. What do you think about the coronavirus thing going on? So funny story was the news actually just broke last night that my county which is lee county uh, we have the <laughs> we have the highest death rate that we have out of florida so it's been kind of interesting um well how many new englanders actually, have come down there to retire i mean <laughs> i know and, and well that, and that's the thing though is you know with everything going on you know the the most susceptible people are elderly i mean there are people that are our age you know because we're in our late 30s that are getting it but the percentage of that number is not very high so, I mean, like down here, it's treacherous, you know, with, with the old, with the older people. So, um, but I also know, cause I have a vacation coming up at the end of next month. The, our schedule runs a little bit different than traditional universities. Now I, I wanted to go to Connecticut and I was like, well, why am I going to go back when you guys are almost worse than we are down here in terms of that tri-state area? So yeah, now um, we got all the New Yorkers coming in trying to infect us. Great. <laughs> Great. But I mean, you know, in terms of, of, of real, I, I really didn't take it seriously initially. I was just, you know, I, but it, I wasn't doing anything stupid. You know, I wasn't going out of my way to like touch people and, 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 you know, do whatever like that. But I mean, like, I, I was just kind of like playing it off. Like, Oh, this, whatever it is, what it is. You know, it's, it's kind of like the West Nile virus that never took off or, you know what I mean? And stuff like that, or the bird flu. But it, this is legit. And I mean, when they say wash your hands and when they say that you need to make sure that you're, you're taking all the precautions, like, I mean, new, new updated advice is, you know, take your shoes off when you get home and walk around with no shoes on because it sits on your shoes and, you know, like all that stuff. It, it's starting to, I think it's getting a little overboard, but I also think it's better to practice safe, you know, safe procedures to not, you know, like you have a, you know, you have a young kid. You, you know, you don't want to take that chance, you know, so. Yeah, um, and I got a lot of people around me with, like, immunal disorders, like uh, former cancer patients and people with asthma and all this other stuff. So it's like, yeah, I might not have taken it as seriously when I was, when it was first kicking off. But, like, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I haven't been going anywhere. I, all I do is go to work because I'm considered essential. And so I go do that. But I, you know, I wear gloves at work and I don't touch my face and I don't, you know, I disinfect my truck and I disinfect everything. And so I'm just doing, I'm doing what I can. I mean, I don't think anybody is ever going to be really perfect at what they do with like trying to contain it. But I mean, something is better than nothing. Like I said, I might have been goofing on it before, but I'm trying my best. You know, I think everybody's trying their best to just kind of get through it. And hopefully we can get this thing over with and, and get back to normal life soon because it's really kind of boring, but I mean, we're yeah. getting, we're getting by with iRacing, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. That, that, I mean, I, I, Oh my God, I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, it is what it is. That's all I can say, but you know what? It's entertainment. So it is, you know, if, if that's what it takes to, you know, entertain the masses, then so be it. But it's just like, there's nothing better than when you wake up on a Saturday and you're like, or, you know, you know, a Friday morning or whatever, or Thursday. And it's like, Hey, today's race day. You know, like there's nothing better than that feeling. And then it's just like, Oh, look, today's Saturday. What am I going to do today? I'm just going to stare at the wall, you know? (laughs) I mean, it's a, it's a nice reprieve from nothing 
we all know it's not real, but at least it's, you know, we're able to do something where we're entertained for a little bit. You yeah. Know, that's that's yeah. pretty much where we're at. And if we can share it with others, fine. If, if people want to hop on it, fine. I, like I said, if you're jumping on there thinking it's real, no, it's not real. But, you know, we can get by. It's all good. Yeah. I mean, I, and I like what Stafford did. Stafford put out their 100 lapper on Friday night. Um, what last a Friday crap night. show. <laughs> I didn't watch it. But, I mean, I went on to Twitter afterwards. And then I saw you put something up. I saw, you know, like, because I, I, I follow, you know, every, everybody has their feeling about him. But, I, you know, I follow Sean, you know, Sean Crashane. And I was looking at what he was putting. I'm like, this is like perfect. I missed out on something here. Oh, it got so. ugly. It got real ugly at a few a few points. But I think that if they take away the option of quick repair, then everybody will race a little bit more like reality. Because if you mess up, your race is over, just like real life. So take yeah. that take that yeah. away. Let's go. <laughs> oh man, that, well, that reminds me of like when you know you used to have to have this like when. Sega and all those other things where you had to like change your settings to make it more realistic because you could always hit the wall and be like, ah, let's go to the front, you know, and just ride the wall. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Jeff, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for, for your insight. Thanks for coming on. I know I promised you to be here, but uh, I really appreciate it. No, nah, no worries, man. I appreciate you having me. This has been, uh, this has been pretty cool. Cause this is, this is actually the first podcast I've ever, you know, had a chance to be a part of. So that was pretty cool too. That's the first, um, first one I've ever hosted. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so that's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, president Trump, what did you think of the show? It's a piece of garbage. Oh, uh, anyway, um, you can find me, did you ask me on a question. What, what was that? Did you ask me a question? Oh, you must not have been talking to me then. No, never mind. It's all good. Uh, so you can find me at BrentGleason01 on Instagram uh, and Twitter. Uh, you can find the show at Making Laps Podcast on Instagram. You can find it at Facebook.com slash Making Laps Podcast. Yes, Mr. President. Constantly complaining. You can find me constantly complaining. <laughs> Get it? Oh, that's, oh. I love you. <laughs> What's this guy, bipolar over here? So I know you can't find Jesse on anything because he doesn't want to be promoting no his. Me. Yeah, he doesn't want to promote his social media is nonsense. You are fake um, news. You, uh, well, Sorry. I'm not fake. I'm just opinionated. Okay. Just let's... anyway, <laughs> you can find Turn us. Turn off the lights. Turn them off. All right, we'll get Turn out of here. Turn off the lights. All right, all right, all right. I'm out of here. But you can find us on any major podcast platform. Like, share, subscribe, whatever you want to do. Get the word out there. I think we put out some pretty good stuff this week. I hope it was very informative. Uh, thank you to everybody for being on. Thank you, Jeff Williams, for, for your insight. Carrying the show. Yes, definitely carried the show this week. Uh, Jess, thanks for sitting in with me, even though I think our recorded parts were probably like 10 minutes, but whatever. Um, I don't want a nice. I want a killer. <laughs> Actually, I was only kidding. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, until next time, keep the dirty side down and stay out of the fence. We have losers. We have losers. 